38 through 42. And as we read here, remember, we're reading God's word. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. That's God's word. You may be seated. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you uh, for your word. Thank you for how it guides us and leads us, and thank you for the opportunity that we have to look into it. God, we pray that you would teach us through it, and we pray that you would make us more and more like your son as we listen to you. God, give us ears even now to hear what you'd have to say to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, we're in the second week of this series that we're calling a Christmas Blessing. And essentially what we're doing throughout this series is we're trying to bring some sanity to the Christmas season. That's what kind of we're about is is it's a crazy time. I don't know how many Black Friday ads I've seen. Everyone I see now, I'm like, okay, you guys know it's Sunday? Like, it's not Friday anymore, but it's like five days of Black Friday, and it's just crazy. And and we're trying through this series to bring some sanity. And I think we all could use it. We talked last week, uh, Josh Watt did as he filled in for me last second. By the way, I have bronchitis, so... So I had a good excuse, all right? So, so that's how it turned out. But, but we talked last week about the three Fs that bring stress to this season. The first F is financial. There's financial stress as we all feel this, this pressure to, to, to give really good gifts. And, and, and I don't know about you, but, but for me, most of the gifts I want are not very cheap, right? So it's like we, we're doing this thing with, our, with all my... Uh, in-laws and, and my wife's siblings and all this stuff. We have this whole exchange. You gotta, you know, here's a list of things you want under $50. Well, most of the things I want are more than $50, right? So I'm spoiled, I guess. But I mean, like, but that's how it is, right? And, and even $50, if you add that up a, a few times, like, that starts to get a little bit crazy, right? And so there's some financial stress uh, to this time of year. There's also family stress, right? For some people, this is a really sad time of year because you're thinking about who's not there for Christmas, Maybe this is the first Christmas without somebody really special in your life. And that, that means a lot. And, and, and it's sad and you feel stressed and you feel disappointed because of who's not there. Or maybe you feel stressed about who is there. Right? And, and these people are going to be there. And I don't really know if I want to be that, around them. And this is the only time I see them. And I know this thing's going to come up. And it always kind of devolves into this thing. Right? So, so there's the financial stress. There's the family stress. And then there's the fantasy stress. The fantasy stress. It's kind of the Clark Griswold thing, if you're familiar with family vacation, Christmas vacation, right? He wants the perfect house. He wants the perfect things. He's got all this stuff. And it all just doesn't go that way, right? And especially for ladies. Ladies in particular feel this burden to sort of care for everyone's dreams. Here's how one scholar says it about this. He, he says, at this time of year, women are assigned the role of caretaker of everyone's dreams. You have the right decorations. You have the right little advent activities. 
you got to have the right lights. you got to have the right food. you got to have the right Christmas cards sent out. you got to have all the right gifts. you got to have all the right things. You gotta, right? And it can be very stressful. And so what we're trying to do, we, we can't get rid of that stress. But what we can do is we can fight back against it in some ways that bring sanity. And so what we're doing in this series is we're, we're talking about these blessed practices. That we feel like if, if these are practices that we intentionally engage in all year long, but especially this time of year... It will bring sanity and clarity and refocusing to our lives, okay? So, so the BLESS practices, each of those, that, that BLESS is an acronym. It's, each one stands for something. So last week we looked at the idea of BLESS. That's what the B stands for is BLESS. That we bless God by worshiping and praising Him. And that we bless others by serving in tangible ways that enrich their lives spiritually, economically, and socially. And so hopefully, I mean, even just the cards we wrote last week, hopefully that was a blessing to somebody as you encouraged them and, and gave them grace. And you're here today to bless God and to praise God and to thank God for all of his goodness to us. Here's what we'll talk about today is listen. That we listen to God through the Bible and in silent prayer. Then we listen to one another. We listen to others actively and empathetically, listening to their thoughts, emotions, and circumstances. That if we practice these things, it brings sanity. It brings clarity to this time of year. Next week, I can't wait, we're going to talk about eat. (laughs) Eat. That we eat with God by feasting on his word and by celebrating communion every week. We're going to do that today. We're going to eat something and put something tangible and sweet and tasty in our mouths and remind us of the sweetness of following Jesus. We're going to do that. We also eat with others by regularly sharing meals and and drinks together as an opportunity for fellowship. So, So we do that on purpose. And the point of all of these practices is to think about how do we bless and love and serve God and how do we do this with others, especially those who are not part of the, the family of God yet. It's an incredible opportunity. And so then the next one is, is speak, that we speak to God in prayer. We adore his goodness. We express our wants and our needs. And then we also speak to others with gospel intentionality. We tell others about the good news of Christ. And what an amazing season to do that. I mean, think about just the songs you start to hear on the radio that are talking about the Lord Jesus. What an opportunity to talk about that. And then the last S we'll look at is Sabbath. This practice, this rhythm, this, this habit of resting, that we Sabbath with God by resting in the gospel of grace, that we don't have to prove ourselves, we don't have to work, we don't have to, to do good to, to be accepted by God, we just rest in his grace. Then we Sabbath with others, we take time to rest and celebrate and vacation and recreate and play and have fun and, and be restored and, and, and so here's what we're trying to do with this series, is we're trying to introduce you to these things and invite you to participate in them this time of year. I hope that as you, as you begin to taste them a little bit, that you'll, that you'll find the value of it so much that you'll actually, as you plan ahead for next year, begin to go, these practices need to be part of my life all the time. So today we're looking at this one, listen, listen. And the first part of this uh, simply is that we listen to God through the Bible and in silent prayer. And so to do that, I, I want to have us look at this story that we read here from Luke chapter 10 about Martha and Mary. It's a great example of listening to God. You see the word there is in verse 39 uh, that uh, Martha had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. So you get the story here. You have Mary And you have Martha. Now, if you're familiar at all with with the Bible, there's a story in John 11 that talks about this man, Lazarus, being raised from the dead. Now, Martha and Mary are the sisters of Lazarus. 
You can read about it in John 11. Uh, they're the ones that actually go out to Jesus and say, Jesus, how could you let my brother die? And he says, it's okay. And he raises him from the dead. That, that's who this is. And so Mary and Martha have a very close relationship with Jesus. You actually get the sense of this, actually, in verse 38 when it says, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. So Jesus and his disciples are traveling, and it's as if Jesus uh, has this friend over in this village, Martha and Mary. He says, I'm going to go visit them, right? It goes singular, right? They were all going, but Jesus entered a village, right? So if you've ever been on a, on a work trip or you're somewhere for a conference and you have a friend in that town, you may kind of you know, tell the people you're with, hey, I'm going to go to dinner with this friend of mine because I really want to catch up with them. That's what Jesus was doing. So they're close, personal friends of Jesus. So much so that when Jesus hears the word that Lazarus has died, Jesus weeps. He's brokenhearted. So these are close people to Jesus, people who knew him well. And in this passage, we get a great glimpse at the difference between the craziness of just serving God and the chaos of that, that that can be, and then the better portion of listening to him. So there's a couple things we need to see, just kind of big picture observations about this particular passage. The first thing you'll see is that faith is built in mundane moments. Faith is built in mundane moments. As you read this story, there's nothing significant here, really, right? I mean, the story about Lazarus being raised from the dead, that's a big deal. When Jesus turns water into wine, that's a big deal. When Jesus feeds 5,000 or cleanses lepers or heals the sick, right? Those are huge, big moments. But this is a moment just talking about mundane, ordinary life. They're getting ready for dinner. Yet faith is seen and faith is built in those moments. Here's what Tim Keller says about this. He says, it's not in the big events of your life and it's not in the pivotal events of your life that your character is forged. It's not in those places. Those places only reveal what you have become. But those things are too seldom to ever make you anything. You get that? He's saying the big events, the big moments, you go, yeah, it's, it, I got to come through in this big, that's, that doesn't happen very often. He says those things do not make you, those things only reveal what other mundane day in, day out situations have made you. So there's kind of an interesting thing here, that we become what we are through the power of our habits, through the power of our practices. You go, are you going to be a person who listens to God? Well, anyone's going to listen to God when they show up to church. But are you going to be a person who builds your faith through, through the mundane and the ordinary listening to God? So that's kind of a, a first thing that we see in this story. Second thing we see is that, that listening to God is more difficult for those of us who are more pragmatic and more kind of leader-driver kind of oriented. Right? That's Mary, right? You see it's called uh, Mary's home, right? Verse 38, they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed her into her house. So this is Martha's house. Martha is the doer. Martha is the get after it. Martha is the one who is, is serving. She's distracted serving. She's getting ready for this dinner. She's, she's doing all the work. She's doing all the prep. She's starting to clean certain things. She's trying to get everything set up. And Mary is off sitting by herself, dis- listening to Jesus. Well, Martha is distracted with much serving. Martha's pragmatic. Martha is leader. Martha is let's get some stuff done. And I, I just tell you, it's, it's hard for people like that. I'll tell you from personal experience, it's hard, it's hard to just stop and listen. You feel like there's a lot to do. I'm wasting time. Your phone's blinking. There's reminders going off. Ah. Right, some, of, some of us, you, just, you swing out of bed and your feet, before they hit the ground, 
You just, all the things you got to do. And, and all those things are important. And, and the more driven you are to get all that done, the harder it's going to be to stop and to listen to God. The other thing that we see from this story is that many things are good, but one is necessary. Look at verse 41. The Lord says to Martha after she asks for help, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. There's a lot of things that are important. There's a lot of things you've got to get done. There's a lot of things that you could care about. There's a lot of things that legitimately deserve your attention. But Jesus says, but one thing is necessary. One thing is necessary. Listening to him. Martha, you're doing amazing things, right? Look at her. She's serving God. Jesus shows up. Wouldn't you want to like put together a pretty good meal for him? Who could blame her, right? You know, Jesus is saying, Martha, you, you got a lot of things going. There's one thing that really matters. So as we kind of look at this story, we kind of go, okay, are you a Martha or are you a Mary? Maybe you're neither. But at least these are the two people we have in this story. So we'll look at it. So, so some things. You, you might be a Martha if these things are true. One, you have inner to- turmoil. You think about all you got to do and there's just this inner turmoil. You're torn in all these directions. Look at the, the word there in verse 41. Jesus answers Martha, 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 you are anxious. The word anxious there means, means torn in many directions. Your heart is going after all these different things. There's all these worries on your mind. There's all these plates spinning. Martha, you're anxious. There's this inner turmoil about you, and you're troubled, which that word troubled has the idea of a boat that's been capsized. It's turned upside down. Right? So he's saying you're you're, you're torn everywhere, and you're turned upside down. You've got this inner turmoil. You've got this, this difficulty because all these things have to get done. So you might be a Martha if you experience that. It's interesting. We, um, I, I lead our pastoral residency program here with the church. And so some of our guys who are kind of younger guys being trained and developed as pastors, a lot of these are real drivers, real achievers, really let's go get stuff done. And this past uh, week, or two weeks ago I guess it was, we, we met and we, everyone had gone through all these personality tests and all these character evaluations and all this sort of stuff. And it's really fun to kind of, you know, have everyone feeling the angst of that and all those things. And, and one of the things they had to do was, was there's this, there was this like 40-question survey um, that they had to give to their spouse and to a few other key people that knew them really well that really essentially, uh, they didn't know this, but what it was evaluating was how they were doing as it relates to the fruit of the Spirit. So the fruit of the Spirit comes from Galatians chapter 5. It talks about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We added humility and hope. And so it measures you on those things. And, and you, each guy kind of got a, a score based on how people assess their life. And you know what's really interesting? Among all these drivers, among all these leaders, among all these go-getters, except for one guy, all of us, I took it too, all of us were low in joy. Isn't that interesting? Now, not like bottom of the barrel, like, ready to you know, keep him away from the ropes, not that kind of thing. But, but, but compared to everything else, joy was low 
And I just found that really interesting. And, and, and all I could conclude from that is you have, when you've when you got a lot to do and you've got a lot to move and it's kind of on to the next thing. And, and if you're a leader and you're a driver and you're a pusher, it's, it's like, all right, that event, Thanksgiving's over, it's Christmas time, it's Black Friday, we've got to move people. Right? And there's kind of this, there's just kind of that mentality. And the more of a driver you are, the more anxious you are, the more you have all these things going on in your life, Jesus says, the more you're going to be in turmoil and the more you're going to be like Martha. She might be a Martha if you have inner turmoil. You also uh, might be a Martha if you're irritable with people who aren't on your program. You see this? Verse 39, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching, but Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister's left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Jesus, she's not on my program. Jesus, we got a feast here. we got a party to take care of. There are chips and dip to serve. <laughs> Jesus, help me out. She's not on the program, right? And, and, and you might be a Martha. If you look at people, you go, they're not on my program, and that bothers me, and that irritates me, right? Some of you, you, know, you know the Lord's most gracious way of revealing this, at least in our family, is children. <laughs> get your shoes on, right? <laughs> Put on your coat. How long does it take to get in the car, right? And you have that whole thing, and you know what that's doing? I think it's just the Lord saying, relax, Martha. Listen, they're going to be that big for about five seconds. You're going to long for the day when it would take forever for them to put their coat on and get in your car. Slow down. You might be a Martha if you've got this inner turmoil. You might be a Martha if you get frustrated when everyone's not on your program. And finally, you might be a Martha if eventually it leads you to get suspicious of God. This is the most serious thing. Do you see what she says in verse 40? She went up to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care? Lord, do you not care? See, here's what happens for Martha's is Martha's get this agenda and get this to-do list and get all this stuff to do. They're working and they're driving and they're pushing and no one else is on their program. And they've overcommitted and they've overstretched. And as a result, they've let go of the things that really kind of centered them and, and made them kind of calm and peaceful time with the Lord, listening to him. They let go of that. And they're doing a lot for God. They're doing a lot serving him. They're doing a lot of, of things on his behalf. But, but the things that anchored them aren't there anymore. And eventually, they get angry at him. You get angry at him. God, don't you know all I'm doing to serve you? God, don't you understand? God, how could you let this happen? God, don't you care? And Jesus is going, you stopped listening. I want you to serve me, but I'd rather you listen. And that leads us really to Mary. But Mary, you see the difference here. Mary sat at the Lord's feet. You see that in verse 39? She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet. Sat, sitting at the Lord's feet, that's a, that's a picture of humility. That's a picture of submission. It's a picture of placing herself under Jesus. And when we talk about reading the scripture, when we talk about listening to God through his word, what we're really talking about is submitting ourselves to him. It's saying, God, I'm yours. 
God, I'm under this book. God, I, I'm, not, I'm not my own God. I'm not my own leader. I'm not my own master. I'm yours. I'm under your authority. She sits at his feet. I, I'm coaching a baseball team right now, kind of as an assistant coach. And, and it's interesting because in baseball world, whenever the coach is, kind of brings everyone up to talk, there's always something that happens is everyone takes a knee. Right? Everyone comes up, take a knee. Right? The kids all take a knee. Right? And coach talks. And on our team, we have a couple kids that kind of think they know everybody, like more than everyone else. And they probably do. And, and they will, from time to time, get tired of sitting on a knee, and they'll stand up. And, and I'll kind of walk around to them and go, hey, get on your knee. Get on your knee. Because just, just that position says, I'm, I'm here to learn. I'm here to, to listen. I'm here to grow. You're not a coach. You're a player. Get on a knee. And, and Mary understood that. She's going, I'm not the coach. I don't have all the, I, I don't have all the answers. I, I, I'm going to get down. I'm going to listen. I'm going to learn. Mary took a knee. She also took the time to really listen. Look at verse 39. Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. She listened to his teaching. I asked some people on social media a few weeks ago, what's the difference between hearing and listening? And people use these differently, right? Some people say, well, hearing is when you just sort of, you hear the words. Listening is when you really, like, understand it and apply it. And, and then other people said it was the exact opposite. So I don't know. I don't want to get too bogged down on if you think hearing is really hearing or listening is really listening or what that is. It doesn't matter. Whatever the, whatever the serious kind of listening, paying attention Focusing in, whatever that is, whether you call that hearing or listening, that's what Mary was doing. She was sitting at the Lord's feet, listening, paying attention. I heard a pastor once talking about this exercise that he did in a seminary class where this professor gave them one verse of the Bible and said, All right, here's what we're going to do for the next 30 minutes. I want you to take this one verse of the Bible and you have 30 minutes to make 30 observations about this one verse. Go. So everyone's kind of sitting there and he, you know, and he says after I get to five or six, I just am like, I don't know what else I'm going to get. And then a few more came and then a few more came and then a few more came. Well, at the end of the 30 minutes, the professor said, okay, we got it? All right, let's go around. Let's share. What, what were some of the biggest, most important, kind of coolest things you saw in that one verse? People went around and they shared all this thing, all that stuff. And the professor said, now how many of you, that really cool observation you found, how many of that for you came in the first 10 minutes? No hands. How many of it came in the first 20 minutes? A couple hands. How many of it came in the final five minutes? Most of the hands. See, I think sometimes... We'll flip open the Bible or we'll pull it up on an app and we just kind of do it on the go. We do it on the run. And we're like, I don't really get much out of this. Well, yeah, because you're reading it like a magazine. You're reading it like you're just sort of flipping through. Like, come on, God. Hurry up, God. God, don't you care? I got stuff to do. Meet me. And God's like, take a knee. Slow down. You're going to listen, right? And sometimes the reason maybe we don't feel like we understand the Bible, sometimes maybe the reason we feel like, man, I just don't feel like I'm connected with God is we haven't taken the time to really listen, to slow down, to shut up, and listen. But that's what Mary did. She sat at the Lord's feet. She took time 
to really listen. And as a result, she got the better portion. What Jesus says when he answers uh, Martha, she says, come on, Jesus, don't you, don't you care? Are you going to do something? Verse 41, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. He says that twice. That's a way of just demonstrating his love for her. He, he has an extreme care for Martha here. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Martha or Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. A lot of translations say she's chosen the better portion. It's the idea of there's, there's this, there, there's, right, listen, there's a whole pan of brownies, but then there's the corner, <laughs> right? And some of you, even on your, on your shopping list, is like the corner pan, right, where every bit of it is like an edge of the brownie, right? Because what you want, you want the whole thing to be the good portion. Jesus is saying, listen, serving me, it's great. Does God want us to serve him? Of course. But there's an even better piece. It's listening to him. And it's really interesting because you, you actually get a, a glimpse in the rest of the Gospels that, that Mary, because of this time of listening, actually got a better portion. See, all throughout the Gospels, one of the things that's fascinating is that Jesus is constantly talking about that he is going to, at some point, uh, be crucified and then raise again. That he's going to die, right? And he's talking about this over and over with his disciples, and over and over his disciples don't get it. At one point, even his, his kind of ace, you know, number one, you know, team captain disciple Peter hears this and rebukes Jesus, says, may it never happen. So there's this constant thing where Jesus is constantly saying, guys, I'm going to be killed. I'm going to rise again. And they're like, no, it's not going to happen. They don't get it, right? Even to the point where then when it happens, they're disillusioned and they're, they're despairing and they don't understand and, and they're confused. But there's a place in John 12 where we encounter this same Mary. And if you read John 12, what you'll see is that at a, at a party, she broke out this expensive perfume, this anointing oil, the kind of oil and perfume that you might use to anoint a body. And she begins to anoint Jesus' head and anoint Jesus' feet. And some of the disciples don't get it. And Jesus says, essentially, she's preparing me for burial. Now, how was it that Mary got what everyone else missed. She listened. She sat at his feet. She took a knee. She listened. She got the better portion. Is there an insight from the Lord that you need into his love for you that would make you less anxious and doubting? Is there an insight into your own heart of why you act a certain way or why you go a certain path that you, you just, I, I need some insight there. Could it be the reason you never have that is because you don't stop and listen? And you go, gosh, I don't have time to, I don't have time to do that. You don't have time not to. Right, I, I feel this tension, right? When we have our staff meetings here as, as, as a church staff and our staff continues to grow both with volunteers and paid staff and that 
meeting just feels like it keeps getting bigger and bigger, and there's always a lot to cover, and there's always a lot to do, and there's plenty of times, believe me, to my shame, where we don't really pray very much, and it doesn't get very spiritual, and it's just kind of tactical and do all that, and then there's these times where it just sort of hits me, and, and we'll have these times when we pray, and a lot of times what I'll say when we pray is, listen, this might be the most important thing we do today, because many things are good. One thing is necessary. So we listen to God. So, so now, here's what I want to do, just kind of from here, is I want to go, how do you do that? How do you really start to do that? Because some of you are going, I, listening to God, like, do I just sort of get, do I just sit Indian style? Like, what am I listening for? L- listen, here's what we're saying. The scripture is God's word. Second Timothy 3, the, the Bible here says that that all scripture is breathed out by God. It's profitable for teaching and correction and rebuke and training in righteousness. That, that this is breathed out. It's God's word. And we believe that it's God's word because Jesus believed it was God's word, right? And anyone who can predict his death and his resurrection, we just believe what he says. Okay, so, so we believe this is God's word. So we're not talking about some sort of mystical, uh, bizarre, sort of just listening thing. We're talking about getting, taking a knee under God's word and, and reading. Maybe it's just a verse. Maybe it's a portion. Maybe it's a, a chapter. And you can go online. You can find all kinds of Bible reading plans. You can do whatever. The point is, listen, listen. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to tell you a little bit about a, a practice that I have been using that I find helpful. And I don't do this every day. I wish I did it every day. I don't do it every day. Um, but I do it regularly, and I find it a really helpful way to just sort of organize my, my time in listening to God, okay? So here's what it is. It's, it's the SOAP method. The SOAP method. And this, I think, comes from a guy named Wayne Cordero is how he originated this. And, and here's, here's what I do is, is I, I just go through these, these four things. I'll read a passage. So I have a Bible reading plan where I read, you know, a couple chapters uh, each time I sit down. And, and I'll, I'll kind of go through that, and I'll go, okay, what's one verse there that really seemed to stand out? What's one verse that really seemed to say something to me? And I'll write that, Scripture. So I'll just have S on my page, write out that verse. And then the O is observation. I'll just make some notes about that. What do I see? What does this seem to be saying? What am I supposed to be learning from this? What is God trying to say through this passage? And I'll just write observation. And then application. If I were going to apply this in one way today, if I were going to obey this in one way today, what would that look like? And I'll write that down. And then P is prayer, and I'll just write out a brief prayer asking the Lord to help me to do the things that I've just read, right? And it's, it's simple, and it's straightforward, and it's, it's, it doesn't take hours and hours, but, it, but it's enough to make it where I didn't just read it and blank out, but I've read it, and I've thought about something, and I've gone, okay, this seems to be what God's telling me to listen to. So I just would commend it. I'm not saying that's the only way to do it. Many of you have other ways that you engage with God's word. If you're looking for a way to start listening to God, try the soap method. But Jesus says, you're anxious and troubled about many things. Finances and family and fantasy about how Christmas is going. One thing is necessary. Listen to him. So that's the first part of it. We love God, and so we listen to him. But then we're also called to be people who love our neighbors. And so we listen to our neighbors. We listen to one another by actively and empathetically listening to their thoughts, emotions, 
and circumstances. We listen to other people, right? We should be people who are, who are humble and who listen. Now listen, I'll, I'll tell you this. I, am, I can be both the, the best and the worst listener in my family, right? Right, honey? No comment, but she, but she knows that's true. Right, I can be the best listener. I really, can be, I really can be a good listener, and I really can be a bad listener. What makes the difference? So now we're talking about the people in our lives, right? You want to have, you know, not just kind of shallow, fuzzy relationships, but, but real meaningful relationships. You want to make a real difference and bless the people you interact with this season? Listen to them. What's going to make the difference between whether you really listen or whether you don't? Here's what it is for me. Whether I care. Whether I care. If it's something I care about, if it's someone I care about, I really listen. If it's not really something I care about, I don't. And do you know how selfish that is? Just to say that out loud, I just want to hide. <laughs> right? And, 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 and listen, some of you are like, well, if I don't care, then I don't care. Yeah, you're a jerk. <laughs> right? That's what everyone around you, like, like you're called to care, right? Like if you're a husband, you're, you're, well, she's always talking about stuff I don't care about. Well, when you said I do, you, you voided that one, right? You have to care, right? And ladies, right? You go, well, he doesn't ever talk about anything. Well, you don't, you don't want to hear what he wants to talk about, which isn't much, but you don't want to hear it. Right? And so we have to care. Tyler Johnson is the lead pastor over Redemption Church. He's kind of my pastor, if you will. And he is the best listener I know. When you spend time with him, you feel like you are the only person on the planet. Which is amazing because his cell phone's ringing a hundred times while you sit with him. But what, what is it? And he asks good questions. And he draws you out. You know what it is? He cares. He cares. But if you get so locked up and, well, this is, this is my agenda, this is what I got to do, this is my program, you're not going to really care. So, so we want to be people who listen to God. We want to be people who listen to one another. What's going to give us that power? What's going to give us that ability to really do that? Right? What's going to free us from the anxiety of kind of having to... Because here's the thing. If, if you don't feel like... like it, you won't listen if you feel like, I gotta get my point across. I gotta have my agenda done. I gotta do what I wanna do. I, Jesus, don't you care about all this stuff I have going on? You will never listen to God or people. So we'll free you from that. Well, what frees you from that is when you see that Jesus took a knee and listened. See, your heart separated from God in all the pain that you experience in that, and all the ways that you feel distant from him, and all the relationships that you feel broken, cries out. There's just this cry of our hearts. Whether we're saying it or not, there's this cry of our hearts that Jesus is listening to, and he hears, and he knows. And so Jesus comes, and he doesn't just sit at our feet, but as he did with his disciples, he washes our feet. He serves us. And he serves us to the point of death. He looks out not for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. And he humbles himself to the point of, of taking on our greatest need, taking on our greatest care. And he makes it where he says, you are loved. 
You are accepted. You don't have to prove yourself. There's not a program you have to keep up with. You don't have to do anything. You're just loved and accepted. And at that point, when you experience that kind of freedom, now you've been loved like that. And now you can love like that. Have you experienced that from him? It's part of the reason why you need to listen to him. Because as you listen to him, you're reminded. I'm anxious about a lot of these things that I don't need to be. And I can slow down and I can now look at the people in my life and the children that want to tell me the same story over and over and all these things and you can go, I really care because Jesus has really cared for me. Can you imagine what would happen if not just this season but all the time we became people who really listened to God and to people? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine if, if amidst all the stuff that we got to do, if we centered ourselves on, here's the one thing that, that I have to have is time with God. And his priorities became our priorities. And his affections became our affection. And, and his intentions became our intentions. And we began to see the world the way God sees it. And then we would be able to go to people and begin to bless and to love them, and to listen to them, and to eat with them, and to ask them questions as we eat, and to engage in relationship, and to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Can you imagine what that would be? That's what we're called to, and that's the opportunity we're invited to. Let's listen to him. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for your word and your constant faithfulness to us. Help us to hear your voice and help us to care about one another enough to listen to theirs we pray for that in jesus great name amen amen all right well we're gonna um spend some time now hopefully listening to the lord and taking communion um and uh don't want you to feel rushed in this time. The ushers are going to come forward in just a moment and, and serve you. And some of you will get your elements sooner than others. But um, take the time that you need, even if that means we're, we're singing by the time uh, you're ready to take communion. That's okay. You can just stay seated until, until you're ready. But um, communion is a, a time for, for believers, for Christians, uh, to be reminded of, of what Paul calls, the Apostle Paul says, is of, of first importance which is the gospel. Um, the bread represents uh, the body of Christ, indeed the full, perfect, righteous life that he lived on your behalf. And so as you think over your, your week this last week, there are areas of your life where you've fallen short, where Christ fills in the gap. And when you take that bread and when you hold it, you remember that he has lived the perfect life that you should live before the Father and as you take that into yourself, you're saying, Jesus, I need your righteous life to fill me. I need you to, to fill the, the, the holes and the gaps in my life, and they are many. And then, and then the cup, um, the cup signifies the atoning death that Christ died on our behalf. See, those gaps, um, they require a, a punishment um, where, where we've fallen short before the Lord, um, God is a righteous judge, and that's something that all of us want. We want to see justice. And so before God, we all fall short, and it's, it's Christ, uh, it's his blood. It's the death that he died on the cross that washes us clean 
and that pays the penalty that, that the righteous judge demands. And so as you take that, that cup and as you look at it, look at it and remember um, the suffering and, and the wrath that God poured out upon Christ in your place. And then when you take that in, you're reaffirming uh, the truth that you need Jesus blood to cover your sin, that you need his sacrifice to pay the penalty that you owed the righteous judge. So the the bread represents the perfect life of Christ given to you as a gift. The the wine or the juice represents um, the wrath of God that was poured out on him in your place to take away your sin. If you believe that's true, if you, uh, by faith, accept those things to be true, then we would invite you to partake uh, in communion with us. Uh, the ushers will come in just a moment. They'll hand those out. You can hold them till your heart is prepared and ready. Take this time to listen to the Lord, reflect on what's been said, and then take communion on your own. If, if you're not uh, yet in that place, if you would say, I, I'm not sure that, that I believe that, that that's true, um, then I would say just just sit out, sit, sit communion out. Don't feel any... Um, pressure to take those elements. The last thing we'd want to do is lead you into something that would be hypocritical. Uh, There's plenty of hypocrisy in the church without you adding to it. So um, you can just pass those elements by and feel no no pressure, shame there. Just take this time maybe to think and reflect about what you've heard. Uh, Maybe pray and ask God to reveal himself to you. Um, But you can let those pass. Uh, For the rest of us, hold those elements until your heart's prepared and ready, and then you can take communion on your own. Ushers can come forward.